Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Trip Talks. My name is Barbara Lally and today we are going to talk to Dahlia. So we're going to give her a few moments to join in the live and then we will get started. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who has tuned in. This is our 14th episode, so that's pretty cool. And it has been amazing talking to other tricksters and I can't wait to continue doing more trick talks in the future. So I see Dahlia now and hopefully we can join in and get started. Hello. Hello. How, How are, are you? you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. It's nice to see you. I feel like we were just talking. I know. It feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> are you ready to get started? Sure. I'm just kind of setting this up so I'm not so like full blown in the screen. Hold on. Okay. You look so pretty. You're all done up. Thank you. I yeah. I have a ring light. I understand. <laughs> Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your trick journey from like when you started and how things have progressed since then? Absolutely. Uh, you know, at first I just want to say thanks for having me on. This is so much fun. I have loved getting to know you uh, and watching everything that you've been doing. So my trick actually started when I was 18 months old after a traumatic event and I went back into the hospital and it was the self-soothing behavior that I found to help calm. And I think one of my very first, um, one of my very first memories was me sucking my thumb and pulling out my hair. And then it discontinued and I transitioned to nail biting, a little bit of skin picking, not really knowing that any of this really had a name. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and didn't pull out my hair again until I was in my 20s. After breaking off an engagement, I started pulling out all my hair and I had this long curly red hair and I pulled it out in a matter of six months. And at that time, the World Wide Web had just come out. We, you know, there wasn't a lot of research. Uh, it was hard to even find the name of it. And, uh, and my dad is a retired neurologist. And so my whole family is like everything about the brain. And, uh, and I went down that normal route of therapy, all the psychotropics, all of the medicines, all the different things. And, um, and that's, that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And I struggled in silence for almost a decade. And, uh, and it was really discouraging. And, um, and I didn't have a lot of hope mm -hmm. of honestly, of like what my future looked like. Like I thought that I would be bald for the rest of my life. And I ended up shaving my head for a few years. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. I've worn wigs, I've done all the things. Uh, but it was, uh, it's been quite, quite an experience and quite a journey. Mm -hmm. Now, when you pulled and you were younger, you said you stopped until you're about in your 20s. Mm -hmm. When you did end up finding a name for a trick, do you remember like how that made you feel? You know what? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, 
I come from a medically based family. And so it's just like when you tear apart the name, the trick o till o mania, it just makes sense. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't really like a satisfaction that, oh, what I'm doing has a name. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it was like, okay, now there is a label. And honestly, I think that may so many people look for the solutions and mm -hmm. the answers and the very first, especially in the medical model, the very first step people go to is like, what is the diagnosis, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so what it did is it gave me a label that I actually got attached to probably unnecessarily. Okay. Can you speak a little more about how you feel, you know, the unnecessary I'm a firm believer now that I've done so much personal work and had so much education and I help others through these kinds of behaviors. I am a firm believer that after going through the period of time when my diagnoses, my labels ran the show in mm -hmm. my life. And that was how I operated from 120% on the other side of it now one of the things that I try to encourage people to do is that like, we don't have to be labeled. We don't have to let a diagnosis run the show just because you have this. It does not have to be an excuse mm. to fall into a pattern that like our brains are always evolving. And that's, I think, you know, what it did is it like not knowing that there was hope mm -hmm. to recover Mm -hmm. or have solutions at that time just led me down a super hopeless path. Mm -hmm. And that can, that doesn't lead to, um, Oh, Megan. Hi. Um, it doesn't lead to thriving. Like that leads to, in my opinion, like a victim mentality mm. and that's traumatic. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were going through that time of, you know, pulling your hair and shaving your head, how did you slowly get to that point where, you know, you felt that there was hope at the end of, at the end of the tunnel or at the end of the road? Or Oof. Um, that's a good, deep question. <laughs> it wasn't until I went back to school and got my master's degree. And, and I started learning about the sensory nervous system and about the brain in a completely different way than how my dad had really taught me from a neurological perspective. Uh, and it wasn't really until, and that's actually when I started to change things around with my, and I've had, I used to lead support groups. Uh, I, uh, and, and there were kids and there were adults and then there were the parents and, you know, different support groups. And, mm -hmm. and we combined it one time and that, and I actually have a blog post that's going to be coming out talking about this, but I had a dad ask me like, when was that switch? Mm. Right. So it's almost like the same kind of question you're asking me. And, and I remember after graduating with my master's degree, I took a continuing education course that was all about neurotransmitters and the brain and sensory processing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, uh, you are speaking my language. And it was like everything I was learning, it was like, I do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it was, but it wasn't like from a behavior, like a maladaptive behavior pattern. It was a like, 
I do the trampoline and I love to do handstands and I love to go swimming, like all these sensory things. Like I love brushing my hair. I mm. love taking a bath, all of these things that can feed our nervous system. And sh I was learning that these can help adjust our brain so that we can actually get better in ways that we never knew were possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like, that was a huge switch when I learned that I could take over my brain mm -hmm. and rewire it for good. And that's when I was like, I'm going to do it. And I've done it. And there's a question here, Eva, um, if that's, you know, she asked, do I still struggle with it? I'm like 98% recovered. I say 98% because hormonally, whatever, I allow myself, mm -hmm. uh, but this is all my hair. I don't use topic anymore. I don't worry about any kind of spots. Uh, I pull periodically, but it's not really a whole bunch, mm -hmm. right? It's very, very minimal. And that's because of everything that I do. And I teach all of my clients everything that I do because it matters. Mm -hmm. And I like that you mentioned the 98% because I think a lot of times, you know, especially when I first started pulling, I wanted 100%. Like I wanted pure perfection. I didn't want to do it ever again. But there is still that small percentage that, hey, you know, I might do it, but I'm still mostly, um, you know, pull free or, you know, controlling of that behavior. And that's, that's honestly really, really important because can you still hear me? Something was yeah. happening. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I'm working with my clients, what does recovery look like? Because recovery looks like different things. You don't have to be a hundred percent. That's going for perfection. That's why we're here in the first place, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like we don't need to be going for a hundred percent perfection. Sometimes done is better than perfect. And and allowing that freedom to allow our recovery to be what it is for us, not what it is for someone else. And I know comparison is also like completely in the way of so many mental health conditions. And again, not comparing one person's recovery to the next. It's what it is for you. And so I'm a huge believer, you and I talked about this, about the self-love uh, self and self-compassion. And so that's where I have it if you know I engage in it um, however, it, you know, it doesn't run my life anymore. I remember, I remember those periods in my life when it dictated absolutely everything I did or didn't do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, my favorite activity is swimming and I didn't swim for years because of it, which is why like whenever I can, I get into the water, uh, because I lived on the beach for three years in, um, in my master's degree and not once went into the water out of fear and you know all those feelings now when you first shave your head i'm just wondering how did that moment did you have one of those moments where you're like okay this is you know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna shave my head and then how did that make you feel afterwards because i know that's like a big step for people to to do that you know there's a lot of um attachment to the hair so i'm wondering uh. you know, experience I seriously think it was like a whole psychological, um, scientific uh, research study in itself when I did it. So I actually like talked about it for probably about six to seven to nine months before doing it. Uh, and actually when I graduated with my undergrad degree is when uh, I decided to finally shave my head 
one of my brothers took the first shave to my head and he started doing it. And he was like, this is going to take too long. You have too much hair. Cause it was still like, it was just all spotchy and mm-hmm. you know, we know. Uh, and, and, and so I ended up doing it. And when I shaved my head, it was seriously the most liberating, one of the most liberating things I've ever done in my life because we are so attached to our hair and who are we without it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's funny because, um, you know, I've spoken to people who had like mastectomies, you know, for cancer or different things. And it's like, when you don't have that thing anymore, all you notice is it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I could see hair everywhere. Uh, and I was always looking at people's hair and, and I loved shaving it because it was so, uh, it was so freeing. And yes, I'm going to respond to a comment that I just saw, uh, Oh yeah, so many people judged me. And, uh, but when I would look back at them and just smile really big, it totally caught them off guard because they were like, oh, she's happy. She's not really sick. Mm. And people didn't always know why I shaved my head. The, the thing is, is like when I left Arizona, which having a shaved head and being a chick in Arizona was totally cool and fine. I was the hippie. When I moved back to Houston, Texas, which is like cancer center of the world, people looked, like me, looked at me like I had cancer. And that's when I started wearing a whole bunch of wigs uh, because they looked at me like I was sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like when there are that moment, when there are moments where you are, you know, feeling liberated, it is unfortunate that you ha- feel like you have to do things for other people, you know, wearing those wigs. I mean, you know, right now in my, in my life personally, I'm wearing wigs cause I just want to, you know, but mm-hmm. it, there is that difference when you feel like you have to, did you, because of that, did you feel like wearing a wig was always kind of not like necessarily a negative thing, but something that you didn't really enjoy? Or did you, were you able to find kind of joy in that? This may cause controversy <laughs> because I know there's a lot of people out there that feel so comfortable in their wigs and, and I encourage that. And then that's where it's, and that's where I say like, you know, my journey is not yours and we don't want to compare and, you know, vice versa, right? Um, I never felt at home in a wig. I always felt like I was hiding. I always felt like I was covering up. Um, It always seemed like work. Mm. I'm huge into physical fitness and it was always really sweaty and sticky underneath my wig. Mm. Um, but it served the purpose that I needed it to serve, which was, you know, being a bridesmaid in one of my brother's weddings, you know, and I didn't have to worry about my hair. Um, and so I found like, you know, some gorgeous wigs and some human hair wigs and I learned all the wig stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was helpful when I needed it. I'm glad I don't have to do it, mm-hmm. honestly. I still have one just in case I've kept like my nicest wig because you never know if trick is going to rear its ugly head again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I've kept that and it looks exactly like this, by the way, but I never really felt at home wearing Mm -hmm. a wig. Yeah. And I think it's great that you are, you know, so honest about that because sometimes if people go on the internet or if they see only certain people that are loving their wigs and they're feeling like, Hey, I don't really, they might not be comfortable, like, you know, not wearing them or saying that out loud. So yeah. thank you for that because, you know, and, everyone's different. 
everyone is different. And not only that, like I had the clips on and then it would pull at the hair, which would then make me want to pull the hair underneath it. Like it was, it, ugh, it was just, yeah. <laughs> so you do amazing work and we will get to this after, but I kind of want to know your journey to that. Like I know you spoke at, you know, the BFRB cons and everything. How did you get to speaking there first? And then I want to talk about that. And then ultimately to your, your passion, your job right now. Okay. Okay. So a handful of years ago, uh, TLC, which is the mother organization uh, of BFRB, was doing a lot of continuing education and certifying therapists in, uh, in, a, in order to treat hair pulling, skin picking, and nail biting, which I never, honestly, I didn't know if I would end up going in that direction. I was doing it really just to help myself mm. and, uh, and learn more because I was already a therapist this seemed like a really good education to learn. And I knew that they dived into the sensory part. In the sensory part. How, can you hear me? Yes, it's, it's loading on my end a little bit. Okay, perfect, we're back. Okay, okay. Um, so I was also curious as to like how much they dived in to different areas in the training. And so, uh, you know, how did I, and your question is like, how did I get to speaking at the conferences? Um, I took that training and, and it was some, it was with incredible, incredible people. And, uh, and from there is how the, the Houston BFRB support group started. And from there is how I ended up getting invited and gave some, uh, you know, you have to, apply with a whole bunch of different options. And I had an incredible psychologist who was helping me out, who looked at all of my work and she was like, you know, talk about this and this, and, and this is what you can offer. And so she really guided me through uh, putting in that information to share it. So I've had incredible mentors throughout my entire life and career. And, uh, and it was from there that my, my proposals were approved. And that was how I spoke at the first conference for the first time and the topic was whole body sensory solutions. And so I taught and, and I did it for, cause I've worked with kids, I've worked with adults uh, and, and it was fun. And honestly, like on that plane ride, going to that conference to speak is when I came out about hair pulling on social media. And I seriously had like a mini panic attack after the fact, Brene Brown calls it um, the vulnerability hangover. And I, I felt it immediately because I was like, oh, God, what did I do? Uh, but it's, it, it was so liberating. And, and then to go to a conference and see all of these kids and adults and parents who have this community in a place that I never had community before. Mm -hmm. And to learn from experts who are helping others, it was just, it was so empowering. And, and to be on the other side as now a, a treatment professional, a therapist who was helping others, it's, it was almost like I arrived in a way. <laughs> uh, but I didn't like, all of this has just been a stepping stone to the work that I get to do. So I've been invited back each year and I'm just going to plug in right here that we have the BFRB conference coming up in a few couple of weeks. And I am, uh, you know, speaking again. And this time it's about mental health and nutrition and how our food can food can support our mental health. 
That's wonderful. And you come back every year. That's, you know, amazing. And I, I'm just so, I feel like really lucky to speak with you because, you know, you have, you know, so much knowledge that you can share um, and experience with everything. And it's just really wonderful to see that you have, um, you know, had trick, you know, suffered with trick, still have it, but, you know, all, you're on like the other end of the spectrum now. And now you can give all of, you know, the things that you know to everybody else. And so that's really beautiful. So I really thank you for, for always coming back and for doing that. That's really great. Now, I want to ask you, social media, you said, you know, before the first time you spoke at the BFRB Con, that was your first time sharing. Did you share with, you know, did you confide with friends and family about Trick? I know you did shave your head. Were you open about that, um, you know, in your personal life? Or was that something you kind of kept private? So obviously all my, fr my family knew. I have a lot of brothers. We have a very big family. They all knew. Uh, nobody really knew what to do about it. There, I, I, you know, I have a lot of uh, empathy for people who are struggling with sharing it with family or the interactions that they have with their family members, uh, which is why when I work with kids, I require that the adults, the parents participate mm -hmm. uh, because those interactions are so crucial and, and it teaches us, you know, as a child struggling, almost how to think about ourselves. And so much of that can be dictated from our family members, rather than allowing ourselves to show up the way that we want to show up, you know, out of fear of like getting judged or actually being judged. Mm -hmm. uh, so my family knew, I had significant others that knew, uh, I had my best friend that knew. But again, it was a diagnosis. It was a label. It was a stigma. It was a, and, and I recognize that where we are now is a little different, even mm. though the still, I feel that, you know, it's why I'm so passionate about the work I do. The underlying feeling is still what I struggled with, which was I was broken. Mm. And I was broken for so many years because I couldn't figure it out and the doctors couldn't do enough to help me. And, and it wasn't, and it was like, there wasn't enough help, the right kind of help out there mm -hmm. to help me get better. Therefore, you know, uh, and I don't really talk about this a whole bunch, but therefore like Dahlia was broken, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's an awful way to be, that's an awful way to feel. And, uh, and that's debilitating in itself. So, and, and, and so many times people don't have to say anything. It's just the look on their faces, right? It's, you know, our faces can speak so loudly. And, uh, and so I, I, I think that's like the foundation of the people that I really shared with, mm -hmm. but it was also because it didn't really have, it had a name, but it wasn't, we didn't have all these groups. Mm -hmm. We didn't have all the support groups. We didn't have social media. You know, we had MySpace back then. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Facebook had started, but it, it's, uh, and when I came out sharing it, that's when so many other people messaged me and they were like, I do that too. And I was like, no way. And they were highly successful people mm -hmm. that I actually looked up to. And so it was like, it normalized it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and there is such a sadness that comes with going to a therapist to get help and they don't know what it is. You know, I've been to quite a few where I'm like, so I pull my hair out and they'll say, okay, 
I haven't really heard of that. Do you see bugs crawling on the walls? And I'm like, no. Do you hear voices? I'm like, no, I, no, no. like, no, I don't. You know, so it, it is, it's so hard to, when you're at that step, you want to get help. You look for it. You think you found it. And then you don't. And you, right. you back at square one. Um, and so, you know, the work that you do is different from that. You know, you're very, you know, educated on this. And so I thank you for doing that because going to a therapist and trying to get help and you can't get any, it, some people, you know, it might've stopped them right there. That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try anymore. You know, I was able to like, you know, find other therapists, but I would call in advance and say, Hey, do they know about this? Cause I'm not going to go into the office and talk to you for an hour and you don't even know. You know, when you were growing up, you did say that you had that similar um, mindset. My family too, you know, go to the therapist, you know, take medicine, see if it works, psychiatrist. Did you have situations where your therapists also didn't know or they gave you some feedback that you really didn't, you know, necessarily need? Oh, yes. Um, so much. Uh, you know, there, and, and this is one of the topics that I think is a really hot topic right now in my world is going to the therapist and looking for the help. And it's a mismatch because they either don't know or they're trying to follow the standard of care. And mm -hmm. so, yes, I actually, I went to all the therapists. One of them tried to diagnose me with bipolar, which I knew enough to be like, you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> and he tried to give me uppers and downers. And I'm like, no, like, but if I didn't know what I knew, mm -hmm. I would have thought he was right. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part, right? Uh, I definitely, you know, a psychiatrist that I saw for years, mm -hmm. um, I remember when I started pulling, uh, I had been seeing her for depression and anxiety and, and now I'm off of all my meds and I'm thriving. But back then, you know, I remember telling her, um, I was an artist at the time and I was like, you know, this is, I remember this so clearly, uh, I was on the phone with her and, uh, and I said, something has happened that I think we need to like keep an eye on. And, and I told her that like, you know, I started pulling out some of my hair and I don't really know why. And, and she said, well, let's just keep an eye on it. Mm. Fast forward in about four months, I, you know, pulled out the majority of my hair and she has put me on a bunch of different cocktails. She didn't know that it had a name mm. and, and a lot of meds were thrown at me that weren't working. And now we know, you know, so many doctors think that it's in the OCD category and it's not. And so many think that it's like, yeah, they ask the questions that like you got asked, are you seeing things? Are you hearing voices? Like, no, we're not insane. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, I consider it a self-soothing behavior that mm. is maladaptive and our neurotransmitters are brilliantly programmed to learn how to be and how to cope. And if we don't give our body and our brains what we need, we will find a way. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where, and, and I say that because I did it when I was 18 months old, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's broken at 18 months old. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's, you know, the fact that I did it then, and then I did it again in my twenties. Uh, it's not because of all these different things. Mm -hmm. However, having and, and, and for me, you know, I don't really say I have trichotillomania so much anymore. I say I'm a recovering hair puller because I am in full-blown recovery mode. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have been for a very long time. But, uh, you know, it's just so interesting because we don't, 
even when therapists know, they try to use the typical medicine mm -hmm. of like, and forgive me if you're watching and you're a therapist, I'm also a therapist. I'm a recovering therapist, by the way. Um, you know, the, the, the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, habit reversal therapy, all of these therapies that, you know, are supposed to work and some of them do, but it's just not enough. Mm -hmm. And that's where I end up coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you spoke about the medicine thing, getting this like different cocktail, it just set me back in high school. It was, I was on like four or five different things. This one's going to keep me up. This one I need to take before bed. Cause I'm going to be, I'm going to be up all night. And it, and I noticed I would just take them, take them, take them. I didn't notice anything different like mentally or with the hair pulling, the hair pulling was just as bad. It just stayed the same. And so at one point I was like, you know, mom and dad, I just want, you know, it was the summer before college. And I was like, I just want to like wean off everything. So I weaned off everything. I had one final, um, you know, all the eyelashes were gone. And then into college and, you know, after college, I was like pull free virtually. You know, it just like sometimes trick just comes and goes, it, you know, it does what it want, wants. But the medicine thing, you know, if, if medicine works for you for other reasons, sure, of course. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not a doctor. I'm not gonna say anything about, you know, your medical history. But for me, taking that, you know, cocktail, it, it didn't change anything. And then I did feel like, what am I taking all of these pills for? Why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. if it's not helping at all, like nothing, you know? Yeah. So when you are in recovery, people like to talk about their like trickster, like toolkit, like things that they do. And I've spoken to other people and they like different things. Are there certain things that you've tried that have worked? And certain things that you try and you maybe try again. What are your little trick, you know, toolkit? Uh, that, that's a big question. That's almost. Sorry about that. Am I back? Okay. You're okay. Um, so, yeah, that's like a whole other live on uh, like all the tricks and tools. So, Part of the treatment that I offer people is teaching them literally everything that I've ever tried and everything that um, I have learned in my master's degree and from my own personal experience, what has worked because there are actually some foundational concepts that our, our brains need in order to then be able to use all the tools. Mm -hmm. So for example, and, and, you know, and I'm just going to go through, it's like, you know, the headings, the big headings are like sensory processing. So like so many people are like, oh, I have all, just, all the fidget toys. So in my brain, with my training, it's like, you can have all the fidget toys in the world, but if you don't have like the 10 fidgets, and I hate the word fidget toys, it's a brain, it's a brain tool. Mm -hmm. If you don't have like the top 10 brain tools for you, for your nervous system, and, and duration matters, how long you use it for, intensity matters, like, you know, what kind of uh, input that it gives to your body, like just mindlessly doing something is nice to keep your hands busy. And so it's like, you know, way back when, before I knew anything about what I'm talking about right now, some of the things that worked to, for example, divert my attention, like I got, I, I'm, a, I'm an artist, that's my first mm -hmm. career. Uh, so I would, I would do art. 
I would do clay. I would, you know, create all the beanies, use all the, uh, the, the yarn. I would do beading. I would sell my jewelry, you know, mm -hmm. and that's awesome. It keeps you busy, mm -hmm. but it's not providing input to your nervous system to help transform your brain. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. that's what I teach people how to do uh, because that's how I've been able to recover. And so, you know, keeping yourself busy, but keeping yourself busy in like the right kind of way. And then, you know, so nutrition is a really big part, you know, healthy lifestyle, the water matters, the fruits and vegetable matters, the, the physical activity matters and, and, and all of that matters individually for each individual person. Mm -hmm. And so what works so, and, and, you know, I'm part of like the Facebook groups with TLC and, and a lot of them are like, you know, does NAC work? And, you know, here's the thing, it does work, but I actually just did a post about this. I think yesterday, maybe all supplements are not created equal. Mm -hmm. The majority of the supplements have heavy metals in them. If you are susceptible to doing things like hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting, anxiety, depression, hearing voices, any of that. If you are taking a supplement that is dirty and you won't actually know that unless you, you know, talk to someone like me, uh, it's going to do more harm than good. Mm. Right. Uh, so I also use art therapy as a technique to help people. Um, some of my, Oh, I have one right here. Actually, <laughs> this is my new favorite one. I'm <laughs> at my parents' place right now. Um, in, uh, in Texas, I live in North Carolina, but this like popper thing, you know, um, it just makes a nice noise. I, sometimes it keeps my hands busy, but honestly, my kids love it more than anything. Um, so that's kind of one of my favorite ones because you can just like poke your fingers in. The other mm -hmm. thing that I love is the very small, and I've seen this be successful with my clients, is the very small magnets that you can pull apart that require a little pressure to pull apart. Um, so clay is an excellent one that works or, you know, different resistance putties. And these are all uh, some of my tricks and tools that make a big difference. Oftentimes, dehydration is a really big part and, uh, and people don't realize it. And, um, and I'll be talking more about like the food stuff at the BFRB conference, you know, mm -hmm. talking about food and mental health. Because uh, I know food, you know, when I was leaving the support group and I'll, you know, kind of close this part with this. Uh, well, so before I get into that, like mindfulness and meditation, it makes a big difference. And, and what I saw happen is, you know, our mindset is everything. Our language is everything when we, which is why I don't say I'm a hair puller. No, I will mm -hmm. not. You will not hear those words come out of me except for right now. Mm -hmm. I am a recovering hair puller, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because the way we talk to ourselves matters. And one of the things that I like to tell people is like, you know, would you go in the mirror and speak to your best friend the way that you're talking to yourself? Mm. And if the answer is no, then, then that language needs to get shut down mm -hmm. because it doesn't, you know, actually get do a service. And, and, I, and I love that I brought up the mirror because uh, on my website, holisticmedicalhealing.com or in the link in my bio on Instagram, there's, I have a free body image upgrade and it includes some mirror work and some affirmations and some audio meditations because 
getting to the parts in the brain that matter is the key. And sometimes shutting down some of those parts in the brain that matter is mm -hmm. also key. Mm -hmm. And learning how to do which one is where I come in, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I'll just, I'm gonna say this, this is one of the things that I wanted to say before with the support group that I was um, uh, leading, I was teaching the kids how to meditate and we were taught and, and, and moved over the, the conversation moved over to nutrition and food dyes. And so they all did a little research on like, they all cut out red dye, red dye 40 for, it was like six weeks. And the majority of them all noticed that their polling or skin picking drastically changed in those six weeks. Wow. Right. I mean, that's like, it's not rocket science, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it just really requires someone to hold your hand in a way and hold you accountable, you know, so that like, for example, I have, a, I, I offer a lot of accountability for the clients I work with and, and I'll get like, you know, a voice message or a Voxer or something that's like, Hey, the Cheetos at the store look really good. And again, those have the red dye 40. And I'm like, well, what are you craving? Let's find something different. Mm. So it's finding a healthy substitution. Mm -hmm. Right. But so many people just don't think to stop before engaging in something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking that extra moment to really reflect, what do I actually want instead of this? I'm well, try because that translates to that same behavior, that same pause when you're about to engage in the behavior mm -hmm. of hair pulling. Right. So it translates. Mm. And I want to talk about the mirror activities again, because having trick, the relationship with the mirror is love, hate. Love it because I want to look at it. Mm -mm. Hate it because sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, what did I do? You know, thank you for coming up with activities that make that experience more positive. Um, because it is so hard. Some people I've spoken to have even covered mirrors, won't have mirrors around because they either don't like what they see or it's a place where they're going to, you know, sit on the sink and they'll pull. How did you kind of come up with that? So, you know, it's a really good question. Um, I have a private Facebook group and I'm actually putting my website right now in the chat for anybody who wants to see. Oh. Um, okay. So I have a private Facebook group um, and it's like the goddess collective. And it's all about like um, being the goddess badass that you are meant to be and not letting the things that we're talking about really bring you down mm -hmm. and, uh, and how to up level. And, and I asked a question about like, you know, what do you really struggle with? And, and a handful of people came out and told me like body image. Mm -hmm. And as a trained therapist, I have so many activities about self-esteem and self-worth and, and body work and body image. And literally like I dove in and I created it all in like one night, <laughs> which is how I know it was like supposed to happen because mm -hmm. it just totally flowed out of me. And mm -hmm. I loved it. And it was like, it should totally be a paid thing that people have to buy. But it was like, I really just wanted to get it out there for people to use. But it was like something that I would spend money on. Mm -hmm. And, 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 I, and it's funny because like when you sign up for it on my webpage um, or the link in my bio, you know, you're, you get sent a thank you. And then that goes back to, uh, you know, 
an email. And when you click on the email, you know, it brings up the mirror work. And I love that, you know, what you just said about that mirror work after going through the audio meditation and the journal prompts, I have a little space that says, you know, did any of this work trigger you? If it did click below and you're actually invited into, you know, a five minute, uh, meditation about anxiety and um, and an additional anxiety reducing activity that has worked so well. Mm-hmm. But I go in there and I talk a little bit about how I did the exact same thing that you mirrors in my house were covered mm-hmm. because they were a trigger for me to pull. And when I would look in the mirror, I hated what I saw. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know, like coming from that place and now being the person that honestly, like, you know what? I'm a little vain. I don't freaking care. Like, I love the way I look. And it's because I used to hate the way I look. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to empower that in others. And that's where the mirror work came in. Because how can we, how can we become friends with the gal in the glass? That's Mm -hmm. the goal. Because Mm -hmm. how we speak to ourselves really matters because we are always listening. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. And I'm going to definitely do this and like talk about it and share all of this, you know, with everybody because that's fantastic. Because yeah, like you said, it takes a long time to get to the point where like, I love the way that I look, especially when you're changing how you look from day to day, from minute to minute, hour to hour. It's, it's such a struggle to have that like concrete, hey, I love the way that I look when the way that you look is constantly changing. That was something that I definitely struggled with. And I was like, how am I supposed to be so confident when I don't know like what I'm going to look like in, you know, a few hours or a few days. Um, do you want to add anything to that? I'm sorry. I thought you maybe were almost going to speak. No, no. I just, I love what you said because the same thing was happening when I was wearing wigs, right? One day I may wear a wig. One day I may wear a bandana. One day I may wear a hat. There's a difference between showing up in our empowerment, like loving having the diversity of how we want to show up versus wearing it because we are covering up something we are ashamed of. Mm -hmm. That energy is drastically different. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why I love the work that I get to do because I want to empower women or girls to step into who they're supposed to be, not who they think they're supposed to be dictated by either society or by their diagnosis, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I've worked with so many people that honestly, now they may not actually have a diagnosis anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, what does that look like to, and honestly, like I, yeah, I probably don't have a diagnosis of major depression, right? I Mm -hmm. don't go through those cycles anymore, which is insane to me. Because I was told that I would always have it and I would always be on meds and this was going to be my way of life and I should seriously accept it and get used to it. Hmm. But here I am. Right. Wow. And hearing something like that, I know when I first, when I was first diagnosed with trichotillomania, that was comforting to me. But if I were to be told the same thing, which you do hear that, you know, trick is chronic and it's, you know, there's no, no known cure that's like going to cure everything. Um, hearing that can be really detrimental to someone like, Oh, this is just my life. Now I guess I won't even try to do anything differently. I guess I'll just keep taking this medicine and see how things go. 
Um, and I think that it's super important to be able to talk and say, hey, look, like, even though it says that, you can still try these things. Like, you know, one person's diagnosis to you doesn't affect your whole, it's not going to label you your whole entire life. Things can change. Your brain can, can change. Okay. So, and, and you bring up something that, oh my gosh, this is why. What you just said is exactly why I do the work that I do. And it goes back to one of your first questions of when did you know? When I dove into my degree and the, the neurology and neuroscience and nutrition and sensory and movement and, and how to turn off that frontal lobe, which, you know, none of us do perfectly. We don't need to, mm -hmm. uh, but knowing how to so that we can get into that place of the just right of the flow transforms our brain chemicals. And now we know that that is possible. You know, mm -hmm. it's cognitive retraining, it's neuroplasticity. I could throw out all these words. I don't need to throw mm -hmm. out all these smart words, uh, but what we know, and that's, so going back to like why I love what I do is because when you go to a therapist, when you go to a psychiatrist, when you go to a doctor, that is what they're telling you. They're telling you what you just said, which the energy around that is like detrimental mm -hmm. uh, and, and discouraging and hopeless uh, because it's like, well, you can't really change anything when that's not accurate. And so I know we're, you know, we're not supposed to say the word that like we have solutions for this, but I'll tell you what, I was on a Zoom call last night uh, with a couple of ladies who are also in recovery. And, uh, and we all agree that we have the solutions. Mm. Uh, and, and, but when you go to a doctor or a therapist, like they're required by standard of care to follow standard of care. Mm -hmm. And so when people come to me, you know, I'm inviting them to go beyond what they know in mm -hmm. standard of care and what they expect to partner with me and learn what I know and practice what I know so that we collapse the timeline of healing. You don't need a therapist long-term mm -hmm. only for like, you know, damage control, like, you know, mm -hmm. shit happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but not on a regular basis. When we are living and breathing from a place of diagnosis and disease, we are not able to live our best life. Mm -hmm. And if we can, pass that up and go into the solution and start to thrive, it's really less important. Mm -hmm. Like the, the isms, right? The perfectionism, the, the sabotage, the obsessive, the compulsive, the, all of those things. Mm -hmm. It takes a back seat rather than running the show, which I know is where we started. Mm. Yeah. I think what's so special about your work too is that you have these solutions and you adapt them and change them when you find out what works for your client like it's very tailored to exactly what will work for them and I'm sure you know you have solutions that maybe they didn't work and they try something new and then they're able to go through you know your your entire you know toolkit of tricks and tips when you might not be, you might and never get that from, you know, a traditional <laughs> doctor or therapist because 
they didn't, they might not have ever had a trick in the first place, but also being able to, you know, really focus on that one-on-one. Um, and you talk about like the nervous system and everything, you know, focusing on that to see what, what will work. That's what's required. And I love that you said that because that is what is required. Uh, you know, taking 1600 milligrams of NAC and hoping that it's going to work, that is a global perspective and it may or may not. But, and that's, your brain is different than mine, Mm -hmm. right? The people listening, they each have their individual brains. Not only that, they have their individual traumas. Everyone has their individual stories, has their individual superpowers within them. And Mm -hmm. my job is to help you find out what are your superpowers within your challenges so -hmm. that you can make your challenges, such as hair pulling, like for whatever reason, hair pulling is now a superpower of mine. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, who would have thought? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's because it's targeting the brain in a different way. And you're right. It is not a one size fit all. It is, you know, I call it, it's these, there's a sensory diet and not diet with food, but like what you do to your body to feel good, it all matters. And for example, what I do to mine, you know, if I do like a lymph massage for, you know, seven minutes and that's my happy place, you know, you may need 10 minutes, you may need two minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think so many people go wrong is they try a tool and it's just not right for them or they didn't do it long enough to actually get what they need. But then again, those tools that, you know, most people go to minus like the meditation and, you know, other um, things like that are just not enough to target the parts of the brain that are requiring more stimulation Mm -hmm. to get you to your happy place. Mm -hmm. Now you spoke about, um, you know, your recovering you know, you don't really label yourself. What are some things about you that you would like to share? Maybe things that you enjoy doing and, um, you know, anything like that, anything just about you that you would like to share with, with us. I feel like I'm repeating myself in this one. Uh, I love teaching people how to take control of their own health so that their diagnosis doesn't define them. Mm. Uh, I love that because there's a gap in the system. And if I had not gone to get my master's degree and go, and I was not led down the path that I've been led down, I would still be in that system, hmm. right? And, and everybody needs to know how to do what I do, you know, on a daily, weekly basis. Um, other things about me is, well, just like you, I have an Australian Shepherd, yeah. uh, a dog who is, has been trained to, um, somebody loves that one. Uh, (laughs) She's actually been trained to be a psych service dog. And so anytime my hand goes to my head, when she's paying attention, she's really out of practice because I haven't been pulling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and you have to practice. Uh, So when my hand goes to my head, she comes up and pulls it down. And I, you saw that on one of the, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was kind of like, it was a half-assed like, (laughs) uh, but she still did her job. Uh, Mm -hmm. What else? Oh, there's just so many things. I love dancing. I teach Zumba. We had a Zumba last night with the BFRB community and it was off the hook. We're going to be doing it again. It was so much fun. Uh, I've been teaching Zumba for over five years. I'm a fitness instructor. I teach people how to not be picky eaters anymore. I mean, it's 
if I could say one thing, it would be everyone has a purpose and everyone has a journey mm -hmm. and everyone's journey looks different, but you're here for a reason and you're going through your experiences for a reason. Mm -hmm. It is your choice, not just you, but I mean, just like people <laughs> in general, if, if you want to get stuck in it, or if you want to hire somebody who knows how to help, who can, and take that leap of faith, knowing that you will be at a completely different spot, mm -hmm. right? It is up to us to change and we can. And it's an apps, I mean, it's, uh, humans are incredibly designed you know, in order to withstand so much. And uh, yeah, focus goes where energy flows. That's exactly right. So when we put our energy, you know, into picking or pulling, that's where you're going to spend more of it. If your focus goes in recovery and prevention and feeling good about yourself, you get more of that. Mm -hmm. Now, I would like you to plug like, you know, your website where people can contact you. What day and time are you speaking? Um, for the BFRB con um, and you know things like that what's coming up for you just right. you just plug all that so people can find sure you I'm going to tag your your name and everything but just so yeah. people watching so on Instagram uh, in my bio you can you know book to uh, you know download that free mirror the free body image upgrade work, mini workshop that you and I were talking about that has all those incredible goodies uh, you can, there's a link to jo join my free Facebook group, but honestly, I encourage like if anybody has resonated, oops, sorry. If anyone has resonated with anything that I've been saying, uh, I actually right now, I never do this. It's so funny. Uh, until the end of March, I am offering 40% off of my single 90 minute sessions. And so I would, and that link is in my bio. You can also go to holistic medical healing and go to the work with me. Um, and yeah, send me a DM. Like I will totally respond back. Here's the thing I'm going to tell you, like if you have questions about supplements and other things like that, I'm going to tell you like book a session because I need to know what you've been doing. I need to know what has worked, what has not worked. Uh, and then uh, I don't know if I said this holisticmedicalhealing.com is the website and I'll be speaking at the BFRB conference on Friday, next Friday. No, that's not right at all. Um, April, but it'll be Friday, the depending ninth? on your time zone, uh, the third? No, the ninth. You're right. Yeah. Uh, it'll be in the evening. Well, I don't know. It depends your time zone. Mine's like 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that will be mental health and food. And I still have to get all that together. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lots of ways. Just DM me. <laughs> and then I'll point you in the right direction. Perfect. Well, Dahlia, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I, you know, really enjoy you. You're an incredible person. And I love talking to you. So I do too. I will talk to you soon. Do you have anything else that you would like to like end on? Um, you know, the floor is yours now. There is hope out there. There's so much hope. I encourage people not to get sucked down the spiral of shame or victim mentality, especially on social media, right? Follow and find and hire people that will lift you up, hold you accountable and help you get to that next level if that is something that you crave.
Yeah. That's wonderful. And I adore you. Like, I love talking with you. This has been so much fun. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. So I will talk to you soon. And hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Absolutely. You're so thank you so much for your time. I really you're welcome. It. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a nice night.